Hello, Stephen. Hello, Erica. There's somebody else on our couch. I know. What is this strange thing? Who are you and why are you on our couch? <laughs> I'm not sure why you let me on your couch. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Annette. Annette, welcome. I didn't know if you wanted your last name said on the podcast. Oh, it's fine. Okay, then you can say it. Yeah, we don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah. I'm Annette Weirstra. That's what I thought. I, I would have known. I would have got it right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We shouted out um, the on the last episode of Lazy Doctor Who that we wanted you to be on this podcast. And that was the first time that uh, you heard about it. And me, too, yeah. at the time. Because Erica um, did the show before. I was, I was just... Uh, amuse me. Yeah, on the fly, deciding that that was what was going to happen. This is Lazy Doctor Who. We don't mm-hmm. plan things out no. ahead of time. It happens as it happens. So you discovered this while you were driving? I was driving to Calgary. And I heard you guys were having a guest. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. And then I found out the guest was me. <laughs> Yep. And I thought I might have missed a conversation somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. I just uh I just decided and then it was it was weird too because you didn't you were saving the podcast. No, I didn't respond for what, four days? Something like that. It was yep. several days after the podcast came out and I was like, Okay, either Annette has not listened to the podcast and has not um heard that we want her to be on or she heard it right away and doesn't want to be on the podcast, and it's Very awkward. awkward. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I figured I figured you wouldn't have a problem talking about Doctor Who with us, since you do it off all mic the all the time anyway. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. just not officially. No, now it's official. Mm-hmm. It's for real. Now you've watched it for podcast homework, all four episodes I know. of the tenth. Not, well, because I do podcast homework with you guys all, all the, the time. Mm-hmm. That's true. How much? Yeah. How much classic Doctor Who have you seen before today? Um, not a ton. We were talking, I've seen some of the stuff that was temporarily on Netflix. Yep. Mm -hmm. And you guys have introduced me to a bunch of episodes. Mm -hmm. And I used to watch it really late night babysitting when I was a kid. Mm. Well, I guess not so much a kid because I was babysitting. Right. But I don't really remember any specific episodes. But I remember things like the Daleks and the Master and the whole regeneration thing. So when New Who came on, I was really excited. Mm Mm-hmm. You had a, a frame of reference. Yeah, exactly. I yep. knew what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. So, like, sort of. I know. As mm-hmm. we watched this, we wanted to watch this one with you, mm-hmm. with someone else, because you watch the new series now. Yes. And now you've seen how the last episode of series 10 ends. Yes. And, and then you've seen the trailer for the new Christmas special. Yeah, and I told you we had to watch this episode as homework. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was podcast homework. Yep. It's always... <laughs> Everything. It was it, series Podcast ten, homework. series ten, and uh, Christmas special. Peter Capaldi homework and podcast homework. Yeah, mm-hmm. both. So it's two birds with one stone, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if there are people out there who have never watched Classic Who and are wondering what the hell just happened at the end of series ten, mm-hmm. well, now you have someone in common because <laughs> now here. I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what did we think of this thing? It's, it was good. I, I This is not the first time that I had seen nope. it because I'd watched it before, but I had not seen the animated fourth episode before. I'd mm-hmm. watched a reconstruction. Um, and yeah, it was still good watching it a second time because I didn't remember it all that well. So there were twists and turns like the general's son mm-hmm. being the one that was sent up into space to help help save people. That was just like, it felt really dramatic and and intense and stuff. 
and I had issues with the general all over again. Like he's what issues did you have? Well, he's with not. Him? You know, he's not supposed to be like a good guy. He's supposed to sort of be a somewhat antagonistic good guy character, mm-hmm. and he was. And you know, he was such a cowboy. <laughs> cowboy. He was very much like. Did you notice he kept uh, putting his hand through his hair? I noticed that. Yeah. As, yeah, that was I guess supposed to be like an Americanism. Um, it was sort of like fifties greaser style, yeah. but also cowboys. There is when Ben is in that back room mm-hmm. with uh, with the pro- projector or whatever. What what um. Do you know what movie that is? Is that John Wayne? I don't know, but I'm sure the info text on the DVD will tell you. Because it looked like it would look like a western. It looked like it might have been John Wayne, and I felt like okay, that makes perfect sense for this rough and tumble, Mm -hmm. you know, get things done, gruff general (laughs) character. That's the kind of movies he would have demanded, like, be brought to his base. Uh It's you know, cowboy movies, and he is very much the sort of like cowboy. I know, I know, Annette, you were like giggling at his his response when he was told not to use the Z bomb, mm-hmm. and then <laughs> and he he had that maniacal smile. But he was like, told he could do whatever he needed to. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. he was played mm-hmm. by a Canadian, by the way. He wasn't uh, yeah. a British guy playing putting on an accent. I wondered mm-hmm. about that because it wasn't terrible, but it also wasn't quite right. Mm-hmm. So it was a Canadian trying to do like a <laughs> it cowboy. Wasn't accident. Terrible, but it wasn't quite right. Canadian. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Robert Beatty was his name. He's in episode of, first episode of Blake Seven. Actually, I thought he looked familiar. Yeah, I had bigger hair back then. But um, speaking of bigger hair, we're yeah. jumping around like crazy. I don't mind. Uh, four episodes. We've never yeah. done like four episodes before. Mm-hmm. We don't know what to do. I was actually going to jump even out of the fourth episode and talk about how we watched the trailer <laughs> for. <laughs> is jumping around. <laughs> See, I told you yeah. for Twice Upon a Time, the Christmas special. Um, right after watching this, just to kind of put it in context mm-hmm. to understand the little tiny bit that we know about that mm-hmm. with this. And Peter Capaldi's hair. Spectacular. Whoa. Yeah. Huge. It is full bouffant. He has gone <laughs> full bouffant, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think my hair could ever stand up that high. Mm-mm. No, I know mine could. I don't have enough hair to make it stand up that high. It's just too thin. There's like a natural wave or curve yeah. to his hair, I think, yep. that I can't hope to duplicate without it's, it's product. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. Yeah. I'm sure there's product in there, but... I don't know. I think he's always sort of kind of had that hair but you know he's just had it shorter you look at like mm-hmm. past performances of him when he has longer hair and it's just he's on television there's always it's, product it's true always yeah. yeah that's been carefully quaffed to look like it's not quaffed yeah mm-hmm. so what did you think of 1960s doctor who then in that <laughs> well you know the thing that surprised me was how little the doctor does right <laughs> i was like where's the big moment and he was kind of disappeared for a really long time mm-hmm Yep. That wasn't mm. planned, was it? Nope. He was, he fell ill. He Mm. came down with like pneumonia or something that the week of the third episode. So they had to write him out. And so you can tell that, you know, Ben going, you know, well, the doctor says complicated (laughs) scientific explanation. And he also says this other complicated scientific (laughs) explanation that I as Ben would have no knowledge of. But Mm -hmm. I'm just reading William Hartnell's lines in the script. Yeah. Uh, That also made sense once the doctor came back. In the fourth episode, at the beginning of it, when the general is all mad at him saying, you killed my son, 
you killed like he's pointing at yeah. the doctor right he's mad at the doctor who's been asleep he has for, done nothing yeah he's had nothing to do with it i feel like maybe Derek martinus should have had the general pointing at ben right. because it was really ben that was the mover and the shaker with all that techno yeah he seemed way more heroic mm-hmm. than the doctor in in this yep yeah and i felt like it wasn't a great poly episode she didn't get to do a lot i mean she was it was a good poly episode because there's no such thing as a bad poly episode she's fantastic um but she the the one thing that i think that was the most important that she did was work on what's his name to get the barkley barkley yes to get Mm -hmm. him sort of to their side and to to win him win him over exactly um which is good and, and that's important and she was I think this was a case of 1960s television. I know on Verity we often talk about how like Joe in the 1970s, like people say that she's like not a very good feminist role model. And we on Verity sort of scoff at that and say she's just using the toolkit that she has to get things done in the only way that she can for the time. And I feel like this is a good example of that for Polly because the general and the rest of those guys don't really feel like she's a big threat mm-hmm. because she's a woman and they don't really feel like she's going to do much so they let her stay around and she suggests oh I'll make the coffee because she knows that that's a thing that dudes are going to expect mm-hmm. and going to be okay with um so they let her let you know stay out and because of that she's able to okay I'm talking myself into this being a better poly episode and I realize she's able to actually like really control mm -hmm. yep she's is very subtly manipulative and and brings the whole plot around Ben's just doing more physical labor I guess Mm -hmm. well and when they were gonna lock Ben up I thought they were gonna lock Polly up too Mm -hmm. and go well why aren't you locking Polly up that just Mm -hmm. seems like a giant oversight yep but you know, but apparently I think, it works in her favor. Yeah, and I think it is just because they don't they don't see her as any kind of a a threat mm-hmm. or or any kind of an anything because she's just a girl. She's just a girl. Mm-hmm. It's remarkably progressive in some ways mm-hmm. and then not because you know here we have Earl Cameron playing a black astronaut. Mm-hmm. Yep. Some seventeen years. I had to Google this. I don't know this mm-hmm. off heart. Seventeen. Nineteen eighty three was the first uh, black man in space. Okay. So and the fact that they actually, like, before they even went on the moon, you mm-hmm. know, Doctor Who was having a, a black a- astronaut. Mm-hmm. So you have that, thinking, hey, we're put it pushing mm-hmm. forward here. Polly, please make mm-hmm. the coffee, as the only woman, essentially, yeah. in this episode. Well, there's also, in Geneva, you also actually had one or two other actors of color who yep. didn't have lines, who mm. were, but who were very clearly important people who were, you know confabbing with the guy who is in charge of everything and there was one woman there and at first I was kind of like oh that's great she's just a secretary but she's not she's credited as a Geneva technician Mm -hmm. so it's slightly better than I thought it was but still not a lot of uh, not a lot of roles for women and she does she may be called a technician but she's mostly just doing what uh, what she's told yeah this is Doctor Who trying to sort of show the future as being this multicultural Mm -hmm. You know, um, wonderful world to live in, but really, it's just a collection of stereotypes. Mm-hmm. The Italian guy literally says "Mamma Mia." I mean, uh-huh. actually, that's funny because today, before we came here to do this, yep. <laughs> all of us with uh, with some other friends were yep. at the Edmonton Heritage Festival, which has one hundred countries. Uh, Seventy? No, it's one hundred countries oh, represented sorry. at seventy. 71 booths mm-hmm. i believe it is um lots of food and dancing and stuff you can buy and just like celebration of all of these cultures yeah. and it does i mean 
sometimes it feels a little bit like stereotype after stereotype because they're going with, you know, the thing that's recognizable about yep. their culture. The most popular food. Yep. The most popular food that the songs will recognize. Yeah, there was a there was a probably like 11 year old kid. Yeah, he's pretty cute. Um, <laughs> who was up on stage at the Italy booth yep. singing, singing Volare. Because <laughs> that's what you expect. <laughs> yeah. So so coming and watching this and then seeing all of those different guys and like the astronaut um, who's very clearly supposed to be Australian. Bluey is his name because that's what all Australians are named, Bluey. Bluey, yeah, yeah obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was just, it was kind of a weird, funny echo of real life. But I like, I like the fact that the Doctor Who future of 1986 is, <laughs> the is slightly less white yeah. <laughs> and is multicultural as yeah. well. Like, you know, yeah, there's still a lot of white actors, but it's not all white Brits. I mean, mm. heck, the uh, the Geneva guy, he speaks a non-English language briefly in this episode. He's actually, he's a French he's actor. A, is he French? Too. Okay, yeah. I wondered about that. He plays a, famously plays a French chef in an episode of Faulty Towers. Mm. Um, yeah, in one of the more famous episodes. Okay. There you are. Yep. Steve Vilner is his name. And, uh, Steve and the, yeah, I can't remember his name. Anyway. And the technician responds to it sweet. So like, you know, we have a couple <laughs> people <Yeah. laughs> speaking French. So I, I just thought that was neat. I like that idea of the, of the future mm-hmm. being, it, you know, no ladies, but yeah. at least we have people from different countries. Mm-hmm. I guess that's something. Yeah. Of course, they're all speaking English and they're led by an American. True. An American who was a walking stereotype too. I kind of loved seeing Very the British see the Americans. Mm-hmm. That a was a little abrasive. Yeah. Yep. Overbearing. Um, ready to just kill everything. Take yeah. Take over for for their own um, family's mm-hmm. sake. I guess that's my son up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the American guy at the beginning too. The episode one. Sure, he's always talking like that, you know. Oh yes, him. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me he was British because I'm pretty sure he was British. Pretty sure mm -hmm. he was British. Yeah. 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 So yeah, the doctor is in this, as you said, and that you were surprised at how little he had a part to play in this. Yeah, and I was wondering, is that because he was sick, or is that normal for the first doctor? I think by this time it was kind of becoming normal, and maybe they because this was the first. Um, story they made after they said you're leaving after the story, William Hartnell. So, so I don't know if they sort of like scaled back his involvement because he was kind of starting to show yeah. his age a little bit. I'm not too sure, mm-hmm. but it kind of keeps in the like they sort of basically remake this story a few weeks after this in <laughs> 1967, where there's a moon base. And a story called The Moon Base, and there's Cybermen that come by. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> More Cybermen. Yeah. And it's like the do- there's also like a large cast, which sort of like carry a lot of the action as well. So I'm mm-hmm. not sure if that's William Hartnell's age and health affecting things, or if it's just the storytellers wanting to tell a different story and maybe yeah. have the doctor mm-hmm. shoehorned in a little bit. Yeah. Well, it kind of worked because he was weakening... And mm-hmm. about to regenerate. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of see, oh, well, I guess he was disappearing because he was going to regenerate, not necessarily because for it practical reasons. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's actually kind of cool. I mean, if they would have done a little better job in sort of papering over yeah. that, uh, I think it I think it works out thematically really kind of nicely to have him just so weak that he's actually gone for a while. Now, you, Stephen, said that that was not even William Hartnell in the bed. Was it him falling down or was that somebody nope. in a wig? That was someone in a wig. That okay. was someone else on the film sequences as well. 
mm. um, because uh, William Hartnell didn't, didn't uh, show up because all the all the scenes on the Antarctic surface are pre-filmed, okay. and it wasn't William Hartnell there. That's why it's Ben and Polly carrying all the dialogue, mm. right? And now that I think about it, it's that in itself is fortuitous because if it wasn't William Hartnell on the set, the film set for the pre-filming then he might not have run back to the TARDIS on his own because, you know, they didn't want to shoot a a double because he'd have to carry on dialogue. And if you look at the end of um, The Doctor Falls from Series 10, the the first Doctor is wandering back to his TARDIS. So it leaves us some space. It leaves it some Mm -hmm. space. If they didn't do that, if they didn't decide, okay, we don't need William Hartnell on this pre-shoot in 1966. It might not be a two-Doctor episode. There's a hole. There's that hole. So basically the Doctor falls. Peter Capaldi's Doctor lands there when William Hartnell is literally minutes away from going to regenerate. So he's... So he and Ben and Polly are in the cyber spaceship the cyberman spaceship and he leaves them his last words to them are keep warm which is just kind of sweet um and we don't know for sure if ben and polly are going to go to the base and say goodbye first like that's sort of left open-ended to some Mm -hmm. extent so i mean you know the doctor falls and the christmas special could sort of retcon that and basically say that the doctor had slightly more time than just Ben and Polly sticking around to say what happened to him. He lost his sense of humor. Like that gives the doctor a lead of what, 45 seconds to a minute. Whereas if they decided they wanted to go to the base and say goodbye to everybody, Mm -hmm. which the doctor didn't want to, then that would give the doctor, you know, 15, 20 Mm -hmm. minutes, maybe more, something like that. But in time travel, that's plenty of time. Right. That's true. He really time. He really does only need just a, a few a few minutes mm-hmm. so i find it interesting that at the end of the doctor falls he's muttering to himself the first doctor is muttering to himself about changing and i hadn't seen the 10th planet in so long i didn't remember any of this and i was like why would he be muttering to himself about changing that doesn't like what it and now i get it like they've been leading up to it even if the third part of him being not there wasn't supposed to be leading up to it it totally worked that way mm-hmm. And I had forgotten that that last scene in the cyber ship um, had him like unconscious for a little bit and then waking up and being and his lines uh, repeating Ben saying it's all over. The trouble's all over. And the doctor being like, it's all over. It's far from all over. Mm-hmm. So dramatic. Like that was really cool. And now that it fits it just works. Mm-hmm. One more foresight than they probably even knew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's far from over. Yeah. Wow way far many many yeah many decades from over it's never gonna end Mm-mm. think how crazy that was for an audience watching in 1966 you know no i mean that's i think that's the reason why so many home video clips exist of of the last part mm-hmm. um and why the actual regeneration exists that's a different story but i bet you there was a fan who's probably thinking this is william hartnell's last episode mm-hmm. yeah could this be it like i i wonder why there's why he's filming at certain seconds Mm -hmm. during that episode because he thinks is this the end is this the end Mm -hmm. and you know so they must have known it was announced that that Uh that patrick trout was coming in but i don't think they told anyone how it's going to happen in the story Mm. so for him to just sort of fall down die and then all of a sudden become a new person yeah yeah i i liked watching the animated version that was interesting to see but i do wish that like when you're watching a recon 
it's just still pictures. But when they have moving pictures, they put the moving pictures in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand that it would be sort of jarring to have the actual pictures suddenly pop up in the middle of animation. But I wish that there was an option to do that on the DVD because <laughs> I would, I want to see what things actually look like. At least when they I had can. them on the DVD. Yes, yeah. that's good. And when they animated them, they basically rotoscoped the existing footage because mm-hmm. they knew how iconic that was. Yeah, you know? I just, I, I mean, I think I prefer uh, reconstructions overall because mm-hmm. we we had to in order to see that last sequence um, in actual real life we had to zip through the reconstruction that's on the dvd and we you know just sort of we're skipping chapters forward and watching like a little bit here and a little bit there because Annette had never seen a recon yeah. before um and i found myself going oh so that's what that part is really supposed to look like oh so that's what that set really was because you don't actually get to see the cyber ship the cyberman's ship at all in episodes one through three it's only in episode four mm-hmm. so the animated version, like you don't necessarily know how close it is to real and stuff. And I just, I found the sets really important to me to sort of like put my, my brain in that space. Have a frame of reference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was kind of like, oh, I almost wish we'd been watching the reconstruction all the way through. So I think I'm, I'm falling on the, the uber nerd reconstruction is better than animation side. But I'm glad the animation exists because most people probably wouldn't feel that way. I liked it. Did you? Yeah, I did. Mm -hmm. I found it actually, well, not having seen reconstructions before, Mm. uh, but I was surprised at how much it felt felt in sync with Mm -hmm. the uh, original episodes. And so it kind of flowed. Everyone looked pretty good. I was like, oh, they Mm -hmm. look good. It felt like a good continuation and... uh, I thought the Cybermen might have even looked scarier. They were pretty scary. Without, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the animation. Yeah, so Cybermen. Now, you're a rarity in that you've seen the those Cybermen in... I know, I saw them... World Enough in Time. First. Yes. Mm-hmm. In, uh, well, I guess, our current period. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, like, the when I think of Cybermen, I would have thought of more of those... Like, I'd seen Tomb of the Cybermen and more of those, like, robotic... Almost mm-hmm. cardboard boxy looking mm-hmm. one. So this Cyberman, um, so I like I now now having seen this, I like how they made them scarier because <laughs> they felt a lot scarier in the late the latest episode. Mm-hmm. But uh, they were so much bendier and more less robotic, <laughs> right? and mm-hmm. they talked so much more though, mm-hmm. and in that weird cadence that was sort of robotic mm-hmm. and a little Will Shatner, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Pre Star Trek, this is that's true. Yeah. True. So he, they were they were predating. Yeah. He's rip, William Shatner has been totally. doing a Cyberman <laughs> impression the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Oh, yeah, they they are my favorite. I think the ten, these tenth planet of Cybermen are my favorite Cybermen, or and I guess the world enough. They do seem time a little smarter. They 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 seem more like people here. They have yeah. different voices, like mm-hmm. slightly different voices, and apparently they have names. Yeah. You can definitely tell in the credits. Stephen, you said you thought that... I think, was... one, I think in episode four, somebody said Krang. I don't remember hearing Jarl or the other named Cybermen. Something started with the G. Cybermen. Yeah. yeah. Though. Krang. Mm-hmm. Also, they have human hands, which I think That's lends what makes it creepy. to the scariness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and 
now you know there's a human face behind there, mm-hmm. which makes them creepier. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of, there are some moments where you can kind of see their the eyes, eyes in yeah. there. And I don't know if you're supposed to be able to or not. I I, re- I can't remember if this is a joke or not, but Stephen Moffat said somewhere, be it in Doctor Who magazine or something else, maybe the Doctor Who fan show, that that shot where they sort of zoom in from the Cyberman head into like Bill's eye and then back mm-hmm. out again. Yeah. Is I think an homage, so to speak, because you could see the eye in, yeah. mm-hmm. in some shots in episode two of the Tenth Planet. Yep, yeah, it makes it creepy. The body horror origin story of the yep. Cybermen mm-hmm. in World Enough and Time makes these Cybermen so much more effective. Now that you see what's going on in their minds and mm-hmm. pain, 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 like, you know, oh, so bad. You feel bad for them. Mm-hmm. Although we don't necessarily know that the evolution of these. 10th planet Cybermen is exactly the same as mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. quote unquote Mondaysian Cybermen in World Enough in Time because they evolved on the colony ship, whereas these ones clearly evolved on Mondas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the history of the Cybermen is convoluted as can be because you've got these these guys who are just traveling around on Mondas, and you've got now we know the colony ship from World Enough in Time and the Doctor Falls who are, are are traveling around there and then you know in um, Tomb of the Cybermen there's these these Cybermen who went off to tell us at some point before clearly before this happened to to try to establish a colony or mm-hmm. something and so who knows how many other places there are with Cybermen out there. And the alternate Earth, too, in the um, Oh, right, in Pete, Pete's yeah. World. Yep. In Pete's World, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was sort of a thing, too. Which I appreciated Stephen Moffat making, like, reference to in... Uh, when the doctor is talking about the the Cybermen and saying this is this is a thing that happens in the course of human development in like lots of different places, and he lists off a bunch of he he mentions Telos and Mondas and Planet Four or something like that. Planet fourteen is 14. mentioned in the invasion. Okay, every <laughs> single planet that he mentions, he mentions mm-hmm. Voga in there too. Like that. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Doctor falls as such. A nerd landmine and I'm field. So much. So <laughs> you much guys tell there. me what I'm missing. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's. I just I think it's really cool how it, it ties it all together. And this is where this is where it all started. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. I was hoping, or maybe they'll work this in, um, because you know, in episode one, where the doctor sort of writes something down on a piece of paper and gives yeah. it to Barkley because yeah. mm-hmm. he knew it was going to happen. I was wondering if they would work that in somehow into the next Christmas special. Hmm. But we meet the doctor before, I mean, after, after that, that happens. Because it yeah. seems like a so. moment mm-hmm. of clairvoyance where he's sort of like, oh, I know what's going to happen. This, a planet's going to appear. They. This is a time travel show. They could still work that in. True. At some point, while we see David Bradley and Peter Capaldi running around as doctors, they could leave a message or a note for the first doctor that he would mm-hmm. receive before mm-hmm. the first doctor actually meets the 12th doctor for the first time. So, you know, that that could also <laughs> that could also explain why the first doctor doesn't seem particularly surprised to see the 12th doctor in the trailer there. He's mm-hmm. just, you know, we can't tell for sure, but it seems seems like it seemed like um actually not even in, just in the trailer at the end of The Doctor Falls you know it's like no i'm the the doctor the original whatever yeah. he doesn't seem like who are you random person on on this antarctic base he's just like oh 
I'm the doctor, yeah. the original. Like, he immediately knows that that's another him. And maybe he would, but I don't know. That'd he, be fun. No, he actually goes, I'm the doctor. Yeah. The yeah. intonation is really different, which <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm go- I was wondering, is that, does he actually always say, I'm the doctor? Or as we always hear, the doctor? Uh, it's uh, it just was. It's a nerdy. it's a nerd thing because okay, here we go. <laughs> I asked for it. <laughs> this is why you're here. Yeah, in the in the five doctors, the twentieth anniversary special in 1983, they had an actor play the first doctor because William Hartnell had passed on. Yeah, and I think one of his first lines when he meets the fifth doctor in that, you know, I'm I'm the you know I'm the doctor, the original, you might say. So he's right. ba- so David he is Bradley is basically doctor. repeating mm-hmm. the line. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's the <laughs> two actors have said I'm the original first doctor. Of course, neither were actually the original <laughs> first doctor. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. So yeah. Wow. A- anything else about this Tenth Planet? After watching this, we you know watching the trailer, seeing. William Hartnell's face sort of morph into David Bradley's face was like extra disturbing because I had <laughs> William Hartnell's features right. much more firmly in my head than I did at the at, at when I first saw the trailer. Mm-hmm. So now I was just like, whoa, that's that's really creepy. It's cool, yeah. but it's creepy. Mm-hmm. And he's saying iconic. It's funny when a lot of people know there's two iconic moments from the first Doctor's era. One is emotions, love, pride, hate, fear, have you no emotions, sir, which they sort of had David Bradley do mm-hmm. there. And another one is, you know, the um, speech from Dalek Invasion of Earth, you mm-hmm. know, um, which I can't remember now. What is it? <laughs> one day I'll come back. One day I'll come back. That yes. one, that big mm-hmm. speech. Both are iconic, not because of their original episodes, but because the one day I'll come back was the was the first scene they reused in The Five Doctors. That's so right. many mm-hmm. people saw it there before they saw it in Dalek I'm Invasion of Earth. one of those people. And Earthshock, a 1982 Cyberman story, had the Cybermen sort of like dig in their VHS collection, look back at past doctors, <laughs> and that was the clip they chose for William Hartnell's oh, era. And okay. so everyone knows that clip because of, not because of the 10th planet, because of Earthshock. So the Cybermen could make Cybermen, They've been but recording. we're still yeah. on VHS. They were still on VHS. <laughs> mm-hmm. They were still on VHS. I, I kind of enjoy the past visions of the future that are now our past right. <laughs> yep. and sort of seeing what their vision of what 1986 <laughs> right. future astronauts would yeah, like it, it was pretty fun mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. their yep. computers were so cool they yep. were they had punch cards and they everything and moon yeah, it was still so mechanical yep. yep yeah yep lots of flashing lights and mm-hmm. levers and they had, buttons they had moon expeditions too they did mm-hmm. you know that's true mm-hmm and yeah. oh, I I have to give props to the two actors who were playing the astronauts and their, their uh, yeah their floaty hands. Yep. It's like oh, I like the way they're faking floaty hands. Yep. It's way cheaper than going up in some airplane. Yeah, mm-hmm. those, those astronauts. By the way, here's a nerdy thing: their costumes they were wearing uh-huh. uh, were stock costumes. I think they were made originally for like Pathfinders in Space, a BBC show from 1960. Mm. So they wore them in stock, especially look at um, uh, Earl Cameron, mm-hmm. the one, the the leader. He had sort of like a yellow outfit with that vest on. That exact costume mm-hmm. was worn by Bosk, one of the bounty hunters in The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, what? Yeah. Yep. 
Cool. Exact costume. Wow. Yeah. I noticed that they're a little, I assume they were their like microphones that were attached to their chest. I think so, yeah. Some, they were supposed to be something like that. I just noticed that they were each mirrored. And I was just like, oh, that's a really nice touch that, you know, the guy on the left has one where the cord goes out to the left side and the guy mm-hmm. on the right has one where the cord goes out to the right side. Like if I were designing, you know, things that had to be plugged into a space shuttle, I would probably, you know, do that for ease oh, of. Oh, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. You know, so that you can like have it plugged into the, the spaceship in a in an easier fashion without having to wrap around. We'll betide them if they sit in the wrong seat. I know. I was mm-hmm. thinking yeah. like what happens if the commander like something happens to him and the you know, the <laughs> co pilot has to jump into the <laughs> massive cords. Yeah. I can't sit there. I'm crossing the stream. So mm-hmm. Yeah, this cord management is very important in space. <laughs> in 1986, cord management has been solved. Uh, yeah, well, you know, it's they didn't have Wi-Fi in 1986. That's one thing That's Doctor true. Who got right. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, anything else? Before Any other... Uh, Tidbit, nuggets, d- thoughts, mm-hmm. opinions. Are you excited to see the Christmas special now, at least? In that now? Yeah, well, I was always excited to see the right. Christmas special. Um, but yeah, I think this, it was fun watching the trailer again and seeing the opening shots mm-hmm. and yeah. the storm and the TARDIS and kind of understanding the context of it. Yeah. Yep. I think, For I do. I think I've said this on RFS. I think that the pre-credit sequence will basically be a short montage of the events of the 10th planet yep. leading up to the doctor wandering mm-hmm. in the snow. That's my guess. Do you think it will be David, David Bradley then? Yes. Like doing, it will. like recreating to sort of like recreate it. establish that this is the first doctor. We all, you this know, this is the adventure that this first doctor has, has just had as yeah. he meets Peter Capaldi's doctor. Yeah. Oh, because like not everyone has access to the entire collection. That is true. Of Doctor Who. No. Mm-hmm. And it's funny when you say that because in 1985, Doctor Who made a story with the Cybermen, which sort of mentioned a the lot of the previous. Planet. Mm-hmm. But, and they made it so rife with references and like, you know, links to like past stories. But in 1985, no one had seen the 10th planet since its original broadcast (laughs) because it never came out on VHS yet. So people were expected to know the details Mm -hmm. of a story that they had never seen. It's kind of That's like uber nerdy. That yeah. is a little too uber yeah. nerdy. It did, yeah. It was. It didn't go over terribly successfully mm. because of that. It's kind of like if you know we had the uh, world enough in time and the Doctor Falls with all of this fan service in it. Mm-hmm. If nobody had access to any of the previous like <laughs> yeah. classic Doctor Who, like think about how well that would have gone over. And I mean, I I still think it would have been okay because yeah. I feel like the story is written well enough that you don't need any of that. It's just like extra flavoring. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I don't know. I did don't you have feel a lot like, of it? Did yeah. you feel like you were lost at any point watching the, the uh, finale? No, no, no. I didn't. I okay. I feel. There are elements where you go. I feel like I'm missing something, mm-hmm. and you know it. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't feel that they're doing it so much that I'm, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. It's just then I'm usually coming back right. to you guys and going, I need to watch this, <laughs> and I need to watch that. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, just lucky I have because I don't know how I get these episodes if I didn't have you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because we're in Canada where BritBox is not available. No, please come streaming. to Canada, BritBox. Yes, please, BritBox. Mm-hmm. I would subscribe just for that. Mm-hmm. So you think like, okay, so if somebody who was totally new to Doctor Who and didn't know that there was a f- like 50 years of previous stuff um, that that is that could be nodded back to. You think they'd be able to watch 
the finale of season series 10 and just like understand i mean not as their first doctor who episode no, ever. i was like that would be confusing. that would be a little confusing but i, just I feel like, like they could watch the whole 10th season mm-hmm. and probably feel because there's a lot of things going back even to new who stuff yep. through that season mm-hmm. but yeah i think they would be fine okay. i think that's always something that i wonder about because yeah. i, I kind of thought so too but i have been steeping in this for so many years that it's tough to take off that mm-hmm. that old fan hat mm-hmm. and try to look at things through a new pair of eyes yeah well even as someone who like i don't know how i know like, the master i know the master especially mm-hmm. the master with the goatee right how do you <laughs> i love know that? that master yeah. i don't know and i know i used to watch some stuff and i don't remember it but i feel like that image might have seeped into culture even beyond who fans because mm-hmm. it's kind of it's kind of an, he's an iconic villain in mm-hmm. wearing yeah black. so it's just goatee. I loved seeing him come back as mm-hmm. the goateed villain. I know. Yeah. Seemed right when he was wearing the goatee. I know. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I love the goatee. Yep, and his his outfit, mm-hmm. black. It just seemed like it was a nod to the past, like yeah. so many other things. And I story. got that. Definitely ah. got that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That master probably also wore eyeliner. Did Did Anthony Hanley wear eyeliner? Maybe the odd episode. I think maybe Roger Delgado did in Time Mm. Monster, but we'll have to ask Liz about that. She'd know for sure. Yeah, I still haven't seen the Time Monster. Oh, really? Oh, well, that's another doctor away. Mm -hmm. I can say that because we're on to the second doctor now. Oh, my God. This is like a milestone. We officially just crossed over into second doctor territory. He hasn't done anything, he's just been lying there, but it was him. That was him. That That was Patrick Troughton. Wow. Yeah. This is a big deal. We wrapped up and the I'm doctor. Here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're here. Yeah, to witness it. it. <laughs> yeah, we, we needed a witness. Um, it's now only, it's official. It's only taken like two and a quarter years for us to get to this point. <laughs> Literally almost the exact timeline of the entire first doctor. Oh, era. I hope it so doesn't you, take us. I was like, you guys will be doing this until do this you're in your rocking chairs. We cannot do this until we're in our 90s. However, there are a lot fewer episodes per season yeah. eventually. We are officially 128 do- episodes of Doctor Who in. Of? Of 700 and some in the classic series. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I was going to ask yeah. him that, and I knew he would know. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, there's a great, in that Who Graphica book, with like the, it's a book that has just a whole bunch of like infographs about the most minuscule of Doctor Who facts, and therefore it's the most entertaining. Um, an entire quarter of all of Doctor Who's history, all the episodes up till today existed in the first five years of that show. Because there were wow. so Because there were so episodes. many episodes, like 42 episodes a season back then as opposed to the 12 wow. that they have now. Yep. Yeah. So by the time no, we're okay. done, Patrick Troughton, we'll be mm-hmm. well over a quarter of our way through Doctor Who. Yeah. So, so maybe you won't quite be in your rocking chairs when maybe, you finish. Maybe. Well, actually, I like rocking chairs, so I wouldn't mind getting a rocking chair for lazy Doctor Who purposes. <laughs> it would feel lazy. It would. Yep. Very lazy. As long as it doesn't creak. That's true. Podcasting. Podcasting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So next time, Power of the Daleks. And very exciting. Yep. Annette, Annette, thanks for joining us for Thank this. you. Thanks for letting me join you on the red couch. <laughs> red couch. Yep. yep. The lazy Doctor Who couch. It really is red, red people, and mm-hmm. it is comfy. It's pretty great. All right. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.